0: You're tuned Into Tomorrow, right here on the Advanced Media Network. You don't need to be tech-savvy to record and publish your own podcast, but we're guessing listeners of Into Tomorrow would pick it up easily. And it's also less costly than you might imagine. Plans start at just $12 a month. Go to Blueberry.com, that's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com, to start your free trial.
1: Welcome, Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive radio network program with the latest in high-tech products and services, and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline.
0: With excitement, we welcome you into tomorrow. This for the weekend of Friday, November 12th, 2021. We, of course, are born on the radio and raised by technology. Here to help answer any questions you have about consumer tech anytime, 24-7. You don't have to wait to you hear the show next time to participate. Participate when it's convenient for you and join us anytime. We've got plenty of ways for you to do just that. And when you are heard On the air, you win prizes. Stay tuned. We're going to tell you what the current batch of prizes available to you is. But in the meantime, Chris is going to tell you
2: how to participate. You could uh, call the 800 number if you still use your phone as a phone, because some of them actually still make phone calls. Yeah. I think most do, but... That's an option. You can call 800-899-INTO. It's 800-899-4686. You could also use the free Into Tomorrow app available on iOS and Android devices. There's a message to studio button that will allow you to send us a message directly from your location to our location. Wow, technology. (laughs) Go figure. Or you could do a similar thing on our site at intotomorrow.com. Just click that little Ask Dave microphone. We've got some tech news and commentary and then David in Pennsylvania, among others, standing by with their questions and comments and help for other listeners. Say goodbye to dislike mobs on YouTube. Goodbye. YouTube has announced that it's making dislike counts private on all videos across the site. The thumbs-down button isn't going away. Users can still click thumbs-down to dislike a video in order to inform the YouTube recommendation algorithm about content they didn't like. However, when a user presses thumbs-down, there will be no dislike count, letting users know how many people also disliked the video. According to YouTube, this decision comes as a result of an experiment the company conducted earlier this year. YouTube says there was actually a reduction in dislikes on videos as a result of removing the count thank you goodbye now goodbye goodbye thank you goodbye okay (laughs)
0: somebody's excited about that possibility
2: i don't know if that's going to make a difference in most people's lives or not but i often like to go to a video and see you know the, the number of likes versus the number of dislikes but now you can no longer see that
0: oh darn fortunately we never get dislikes
2: i don't think we ever have no
0: so do visit us at intotomorrow.com and check out the video of almost all of our radio interviews because we'd like to show you not only the guest, but the products that they're talking about. So you don't want to miss that. And it's all there for you at intotomorrow.com. While you're at it, check out the uh, review, if you will, that we did on all the tech on the brand new Acura MDX. Just search MDX and it'll pop up and check it out. Tell us what you think. Every 10 years, the National Academy of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine issues a report of its priorities, along with their funding recommendations, for the next 10 years. The report now placed the search for extraterrestrial life at the top and suggests an $11 billion telescope be deployed in the 2040s. Of course, we've talked here on Into Tomorrow about the web telescope, so how about we concentrate on getting that one up first,
2: and then we'll look at getting ET's uh, telescope up. Well, (laughs) speaking of multi-billion dollar telescopes, NASA is once again struggling to keep the Hubble Space Telescope running. Oh, no. But that thing has really been a workhorse. It has. Uh, Wired reports that Hubble team is slowly reviving its telescope following multiple instrument sync failures. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! prompted a switch to safe mode in early October. Oops. Engineers reactivated the advanced camera for surveys on November 7th but they'll need to verify the device's output this week before they start enabling other affected components. Uh, the problems began October 23rd when NASA noticed that instruments weren't receiving sync messages from Hubble's control unit. Those communication problems continued for two days, prompting the emergency shutdowns. Now The space agency can't revive Hubble quickly. Uh, rapid power and temperature changes risk shortening the telescope's uh, already shortened lifespan. Yeah, and how, when did it first go up?
0: That's and remember just... when it first went up so many years ago that that they said, oh, oh, there's a problem. Somebody back on Earth screwed up and like, I don't know, miss, it was missing a lens or it was out of focus or something weird. And then they had to send
2: astronauts up in the space shuttle back then to repair it. And yeah, thank God they did. Because the mirror was off, the, the, the thickness of the mirror was off by like less than the, the thickness of a human hair. Wow. And that made all the difference in the world. But, oh, jeez! Yeah, it was, uh, f- it was first launched in 1990. And right wow. now they're saying the end of the mission will be sometime between 2030 and 2040, estimated. But mm-hmm. it's already, I think, already surpassed its initial expected usefulness oh yeah for sure so we got a lot out of it and now this new web telescope
0: is supposed to go way beyond hubble and we'll see how that goes and of course that group that wants to search for extraterrestrial life wants to do another telescope by 2040 we'll see david in mercer pennsylvania listens to our free into tomorrow podcast hey dave with today's financial market being what it is i was wondering What's a good quality budget brand motherboard and processor combo with memory to match. Oh, well, David, it depends on what you want to do with your laptop. Now, at the end of the day, budget is budget, and you can never expect too much, but some are better suited for gaming, for example, than others. You can look at something like a Gigabyte B550M DS3H. Don't worry, we'll have all that for you at intotomorrow.com, which will support third-generation Ryzen processors. It won't support USB Type-C ports, but can be water-cooled though that may be overkill on a budget PC, you can find this model online for about
2: 100 bucks. Yeah, if you prefer Intel processors and you can spend a little more money... You Why would you prefer Intel? Anyway, I don't know. You can try an MSI MEG Z940. It'll cost you a little under $400, but it supports Wi-Fi 6 and up to 128 gigabytes of memory. Now if that's too much, for around $90, you can look at an MSI X470 Gaming Plus Max. That's a mouthful. Yes. Um, it'll take Gen 2 and Gen 3 Ryzen CPUs and can support 64 gigabytes of memory now in spite of the name it won't be able to keep up with other hardware if your focus is gaming yeah now you didn't mention that but we're assuming if that's what you're looking for gaming might
0: be an issue let us know david and again we'll certainly help to dig a little deeper for you if it'll help let's meet at tomorrow.com in the meantime
1: try hero risk-free for 30 days if you don't love it you don't keep it
0: call 800-613-2715 that's 800-613-2715 800-613-2715 call now Into Tomorrow continues. I'm Dave Graveline, now in our 26th year on the air, bringing you the latest in consumer tech, all sorts of cool things and products and services, gadgets and gizmos and the like, things available today and into tomorrow. We invite you to participate on the program. If you've got any questions about anything we cover or anything, for that matter, involving technology, And maybe we can solve a digital dilemma for you. We want to hear from you anytime. The easiest way, of course, is to use the free Into Tomorrow app. There's a little message to studio button there. Or you can visit us on any browser on any device that has a browser and a microphone and click the Ask Dave button. And you can ask a question or make a comment or share some information that you perhaps want to join the show with. Or, even the old-fashioned way still works. Toll-free from anywhere in North America, 24 800 800-899-INTO. That's 1-800-899-4686. We want to hear you on the air, and you win fabulous prizes when you participate. It really is that easy. We ran across a company that sews circuitry into fabrics to augment motion data capture. Well, that in and of itself kind of got our attention, but then we also figure we need to figure out what that means and how that helps. So the CEO of Nextiles, kind of like Textiles, but their take on Into Tomorrow and dealing with what they do, is George Sun. George, welcome Into Tomorrow. How are you, sir?
4: Hi, thank you, David. Uh, I appreciate the time and... uh I'm really happy to be here.
0: Well, it's a pleasure to have you. First of all, tell me a little bit about NexTiles, how'd the company come about, and then let's get into how you sew circuitry into fabrics and why.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The genesis of this technology did come from academia. I did do my PhD in material science at MIT, and from there I had a small work experience at Puma leading their innovation team. And I think what I saw in the industry, this was back in 2016 to 2018, was looking at where the wearable, I would say either the culture or the technology was going towards. And it, was, it looked like we were going towards taking things from our cell phones, things from our computers, uh, miniaturizing them and putting them onto our bodies, which for me felt pretty uh, inverse, right? We don't mm-hmm. want to put computers onto our body, we rather wear clothing as seamlessly as we wear our garments today. And so what that meant was in 2018, 2019, I thought, was there a way we can take the materials, the smartness of, you know, semiconductors of computer chips and put them directly into clothing? And that's how uh, Nextiles came to be was really, can we sew uh, these basic circuitries into a form factor like our clothing?
0: interesting. And of course, right away, I'm thinking there are folks listening or watching the video. And of course, you can join us at intotomorrow.com, see the video of us talking with George, and see some of the things that he's doing with circuitry being sewn into clothing. Uh, but I'm, I'm imagining people listening saying, well, gosh, that's a whole lot better than embedding a chip into my forehead, or, you know, the kinds of things that we hear about that, uh, oh, it's coming. Well, I hope not. <laughs> you know, who wants to do that? Uh, but now I'm, I'm reminded uh, that, well, then do we then have to wear the same piece of clothing all the time or or buy multiple pieces of clothing that have some sort of circuitry built in that would then do what for us?
4: Yeah, exactly. I can definitely talk a little bit deeper about what we really do and, and what's the material <laughs> backing up this uh, this technology. And, and what we do is we actually make conductive fabrics. We make fabrics that have electrical properties, much like you have electrical properties in your cell phone. So we're able to, with a thread, uh, with that single wire, convey or, or translate information from one end to the other end right through the clothing. Uh, so if you actually open up uh your phone, I don't recommend that, but if you just Google what's inside a phone, you see these highways of, of copper traces connecting yeah. one device to another. Well, plus you'll yeah. probably
0: void your warranty if you open up your phone, too. <laughs> so, yeah, we don't recommend that unless you really know what you're doing. But good point, though, is that if you were to do that, maybe you got an old phone and you want to open it up and go, wow, look at all that stuff in there.
4: Yeah, exactly it's actually pretty exquisite and it's, it's quite phenomenal in the past 30 40 years we've miniaturized all these you know really hard tech technologies into the size of a you know, of a penny. Uh, but we actually do the same thing in, in fabric rather than using these, these highways of copper conductive and metallic pieces that you'll find in your phone, we actually use conductive fabrics, conductive threads and we actually sew those same highways into uh, pieces of the garment. Uh, and what that means is that we don't really have to take over the entire apparel. We only need, in terms of real estate, let's say 2 to 5% of the clothing. We really need strategic highways from, let's say, point A to point B. So if you want to measure something like the movement of the elbow, we actually focus all that circuitry or all that threading around the elbow piece. We, we really have no reason to go anywhere else. and so. Uh, when we do make our products right now, our flagship products are compression clothing, compression sleeves, compression knee braces, compression shirts, uh, socks. Uh, we really are really strategic on placing these conductive materials in the regions that we want to measure. So the bending of the knee, we only put them around the knee. The bending of the elbow, uh, the 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 sole area, the foot pad area, to the to the chest area for the shirt. And what we do is we measure motion. We measure deformation of the clothing. So uh, not to get too esoteric or, or, or too deep in the weeds, but from our fabrics, we actually measure the stretching and bending of the fabric themselves. So as wow. these fabrics are bending, you know the the signals are actively changing as they're bending. You, you can imagine that as I pull on a wire, that wire is is changing, and we actually measure that change in signal. And so whether the fabric bent by thirty percent or or if it twisted by four degrees or or ten degrees. Uh, we can actually capture that signal and say, hey, your body did move by 10 degrees. It 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 pivoted by 13 degrees or your elbow moved by, uh, you know, 30 degrees per second. And when we do that, we we translate that information through a Bluetooth signal. And then whether it's your phone or your computer, we get to... um, uh, recalculate or, 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 recapitulate what you did in real life on your phone. So, uh, many of our partners and many of our clients are high end athletes. And so we get to give them the clothing that they can wear seamlessly and they have the, the user experience of seeing all their data in real time on their phones.
0: Well, George, this begins to sound even more fascinating than I thought originally, because now we're talking about a health tech element as well. And then, of course, you mentioned athletes. The ability to perform better um, is is certainly more than our first thought, which was, okay, so circuitry in our clothing, does that help us post on anti-social media or something somehow? <laughs> um, because now I'm seeing some real advantages uh, to having uh, clothing next tiles, if you will, building a more connected future, uh, as it says on your website. And I, I'm beginning to get the bigger picture now. So I think it's fascinating, especially from a medical perspective now, how we might be able to help someone with more fluid motion or or perhaps uh, repairing an injury or, or something of that nature. Am I on the right track there?
4: Yeah, absolutely. And the best way to phrase our company is really to look at the current market I wouldn't say they're competitors, but I would say what are the alternative technologies you can use to capture the same amount of data? So we want to talk about motion data, like how far did you move? How much did you bend your elbow or how much did you do a squat per se? And the current technology offerings are, one, hard devices. So these are uh, what you'll find in the Fitbits, the Apple Watches. We call them pods because basically that pod validates all that circuitry in that area. So Mm -hmm. that pod will have an accelerometer, it'll have a gyrometer, it sometimes may have a GPS unit. So that pod is really the focal point of all that sensing activity. And then another one is camera vision. And and for camera vision, yes, you can try your best to do it with an iPhone, but typically you need a set of three phones or two to three cameras to really triangulate how you're moving. Imagine in CGI, you have... All these crazy cameras and all these dots on the body to really mark where what body part is moving. Yeah. And so, if you look at those two technologies for the pods, um, it's really trying to do a lot of work with a little amount of information. So, if you put that pod on your wrist, uh, people always always had that joke that you can always lie to that pod. Like if you just shake your elbow really vigorously, um, it can it'll, it'll falsely claim you, you did some walks, yeah. right? And so, <laughs> so these these pods. Although they're great, I, I, I think the, the culture right now has accepted them as a consumer product. We wear them on our wrists. Some people actually wear them on their chest. Um, but the, the information is limited. Right. Because yeah. if I want to measure something as uh, uh, acute as my knee, I would have to then put that pod on my knee. And, and a lot of people don't want to do that. Well, for our athletes, they don't want to do that.
0: Well, sure. Plus, then, it's also very difficult to do. How do you, what do you, gaffers tape it to your, <laughs> to your knee? Yeah, or, yeah. It's, it's
4: a very Frankenstein approach. You yeah. have to actually like really, really put some Velcro into that.
0: Sure. And uh, it's funny because and- they call them wearables I can see why you say pods, because what you're doing at NexTiles are truly wearables, if we're talking about something built into our clothing.
4: Yeah, that's and that's the thesis. So when it comes to migrating that pod technology into clothing, rather than making a plastic piece and shoving all that circuitry into it, we really dissolve that plastic and we actually take all the components we like, you know, the accelerometer, uh, the GPS units, and we actually sew them directly into that garment. So rather than having to strap it on, we would actually tell you to wear a compression knee brace or a compression knee sleeve. And that has been more uh, amenable for our athletes because one, they're used to it. Um, some athletes actually regularly use compression clothing when they train because it's protective or they like that comfort. Mm-hmm. And so, mentally speaking it already has that user experience that people are comfortable with but at the same time we integrate much of that technology directly through our threads um, and just to touch on a little bit on camera vision and the reason why i don't say com- competitive is because we're, we're definitely complementary you can definitely use both technologies to augment your, your data capture but for motion capture it's 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 hard to obtain i mean for me i i can't imagine how I would even set up a camera vision lab. I, I think you have to be the, the 0.1 percentile of, of the population to really be able to access uh, these these high-end camera vision technologies. So I think for that end, even though it's, it's a great technology, but unless you're doing Hollywood, uh, a lot of athletes, probably you and me, will, will never really touch uh, camera vision per se. So we really want to bridge that gap of really common consumer electronics, which are these pods, bridging that into garments but making it cheap and affordable enough that you know we're not unattainable uh like like we all see in the camera vision market
0: sure we're chatting with george sun the ceo of next Tiles, and Nextiles.tech is their website i'm dave graveline we'll take a quick break come back there's so much more this is fascinating be sure and stay tuned into tomorrow When you're a new podcaster, you may need a little help setting everything up. Like us at Into Tomorrow, you want a company that's there when you need them, who actually picks up the phone when you call. That's Blueberry Podcasting. Call 1-877-729-8642 or visit Blueberry.com. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot Welcome back into Tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. We're chatting with the CEO of Nextiles, George Sun. Now, it also makes me wonder, George, talking about cameras, uh, can you incorporate a camera say, into a logo on the shirt or something if someone needed to do that? Uh, I'm thinking, you know, as a former police officer, police body mm-hmm. cams, for example, can that be just incorporated into, you know, the clothing itself instead of having to wear ultimately uh, even this big deck of cards size device uh, on their bodies all the time? I mean, would f- something like that, do you see that happening perhaps into tomorrow with Nextiles? Is that where you're headed maybe?
4: Yeah, the, the answer is absolutely yes. Uh, the second answer is not yet, though. So technology-wise, we have the capabilities to integrate all types of semiconductors. We can actually include touch screens, We can include LCD screens. We can oh. include cameras as well because how we've made our technology, it's very foundational. It's, it's, it's really no different than putting any kind of circuitry wires into clothing. We, we have the availability to plug in to many traditional components. Um, the reason why I say not yet is because we don't wanna really outprice the market immediately. Of course, we can add all, all these bells and whistles, but right now we, we do wanna make our platform affordable. And where we found our niche was for the athletic market, for those who want to, I really understand how many throws do they do, how low was their squat, how much power they're putting into the kicks. Uh, to incorporate the the cameras and the lCD screens, I think that 'll be maybe a, a next year or two year two year down the line project
0: terrific and, and i 'm sort of uh, seeing perhaps a close second might be a physical therapy industry as well uh, where you can truly help more people if they can uh, i 'm imagining i 've had physical therapy because of shoulder surgery and other issues, what have you, but I can imagine if I had a piece of clothing to wear after physical therapy that might continue to give me proper feedback you know, about arm movement or shoulder movement or whatever, that that can only be helpful. And if it goes to my smartphone and it says, hey, you're doing the right thing, keep it up, or correct this slightly, whatever the case, because of circuitry sewn into my clothing, it seems to me to only be a win-win scenario.
4: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, You you basically just summarized our business model in a way <laughs> that, that right now we've been very strategic in working with athletes. I used to sure. work at Puma. My other founders used to work at the Nikes, the Dicks, the, the other consumer brands. So we really know the, the realm of athletic apparel, afnesia. we know the people, we have the connections. And the reason why we are staying in this market for a little while longer is that the data we're capturing, and that's the essence of what we're trying to do is yes, we love the technology, but it's really a vehicle to access better quality data that's more, I would say, uh, uh, more friendly to use than the pods and the cameras, right? So at the end of the day, we wanna capture data that is accurate, that is has high fidelity and, and is consistent. And then from that data, we wanna learn as much as we can. I, I don't mean to throw out buzzwords like machine learning and AI, but combining the, the with the coaches we're working with to the athletes we're working with to the algorithms that we're building, we're capturing a lot of data and we're finding the needles in the haystacks of like, what is a good squat? What is a good throw? You know, what would happen to, to prevent or, or induce, you know, the, the Tommy John surgeries to rolling an ankle. So all this, all this data we're capturing right now is really to help us segue into the medical field, because without that kind of knowledge, without that kind of insight into, well, what can we do with the data? I, I think our uh, usefulness in the medical world would be, would be limited. So we we're, sure. we're doing our homework now to then go into the physical therapist, to, to the rehab centers and say, hey, you know, we have all this data, we have this knowledge, how can we help you in your, either rehabilitation or, you know, the, the post-surgery uh, analysis?
0: I love it. I mean, you're just beginning to scratch the surface. Uh, clearly, you're not going to sew circuitry into, uh, into garments just because you can. Uh, you're going to make sure that it does help people in various ways. Some of the, the lines on your site are amazing. I mean, we stitch the gaps and capture data sets that the performance industry is missing. And one of my favorites, if it can be sewn, it can be smart. So I'm loving it. I mean, all the, the great buzzwords, but it's very appropriate as we cover here on Into Tomorrow. George, thank you for spending a few minutes with us. Uh, we certainly want to stay in touch. As you do more and involve yourself with more industries, let us know what's up. And we're happy to, to share that info and, uh, with our audience as well. So thank you very much.
4: I appreciate it. Thank you
0: for the time. It's our pleasure. George Sun, the CEO of NextTiles, and you want to visit them at nexttiles.tech. We'll get you there, too, when you visit us at intotomorrow.com. And see what NextTiles, George and his team, are up to when you visit nexttiles.tech. I'm Dave Graveline, bringing you further into tomorrow right here on the Advanced Media Network. Don't go away. Call us for free information at 1-800-460-1663. That's 1-800-460-1663. Again, 1-800-460-1663.
2: Welcome back to Into Tomorrow. It's Cameron Graveline. Yep, we're in our 26th here bringing you the latest tech now
1: back to the guys
0: i just love his excitement and that's why he wants to become the host and it couldn't happen soon enough as far as i'm concerned except that we have those pesky child labor laws in place yeah i know <laughs> and and all the logos have my name but yeah. we can we can cross out dave and put cam Why not? Sure. Let's get on
2: that. Okay. Yeah. By the way, I'm Cam, I mean Dave Graveline. I'm Cam, I mean Chris Graveline. (laughs) This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you by the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitoring System. The future of diabetes management is here. Visit Dexcom.com to learn more. That's D-E-X-C-O-M dot com. It's time for our email history, Rachel. IFA is one of the largest and oldest
1: tech shows in the world.
0: Oh, this look back in IFAs history.
2: Uh, Here's Chris Grave live. At the beginning of the last century, something absolutely stunning was invented. Oh, people could talk in a room somewhere, and somewhere else other people could hear it. What? Wow. Music could be listened to which was played in a concert hall in another city. Radio transmission was born, but how to receive it somewhere else, through the air? Complicated equipment had to be developed and it had to be shown to the people. Cool. So the idea of an exhibition was born. It would become the mother of all electronic shows. Hey, hey, hey. On December 4th, 1924, the big German radio show premiered, the show that is known today as IFA. is looking at you, kid. And it shows off a whole lot more than just radios these days. That's this week's IFA update brought to you by Messe Berlin. Be sure to visit ifa-berlin.com. Transfer of data complete. Oh, well, thank you. Nancy
0: in Gilmer, Texas, listens on KTBB 97.5 FM. Hello, Nancy.
3: I'm hoping you can help me with a router question. I have a Linksys EA7300, and it has served me well, no problems. It covers our small home perfectly. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to be able to reach out to my husband's shop, which is about 150 feet away. Do I just need to invest in a bigger, more powerful router, or is there some gizmo or something I can plug in somewhere to reach out there to his shop?
0: Well, Nancy, gizmos is what we're all about. Uh, 150 feet will put you at a range that Wi-Fi can typically handle but not as well as most manufacturers like to advertise. If you have a direct line of sight to the shop, you can try moving the router as close as you can to it and see if anything is picked up. Depending on obstacles and materials, nothing at all may be picked up, and
2: obviously you may not be able to move the router at all either. Yeah, you can plug in a Wi-Fi repeater close to the part of the house that's nearest his shop, or try to build a mesh network by buying a new router. Something like an Eero or Orbi with a couple of endpoints in the house, including one as close to the shop as possible and one on the shop side as close to the house as possible. If the endpoints can talk to each other, then you have a working network connection and you're all set. Yeah, now, if that
0: doesn't work, you can use a directional antenna at the shop's end pointed directly at the house. We've had luck in the past with the Sea crane Super USB Wi-Fi antenna, but you may be able to get away with just a regular, inexpensive directional antenna that replaces the antenna on a router that you'd
2: then place in the shop. And Now, failing that, your other option would be to run some wire to the shop. 150 feet of Ethernet cable wouldn't cost a great deal. Think under $50 if you bought Cat 7 and rated for outdoor use. Uh, With it, you'd have a solid connection at that distance, but that does require some manual labor to install that the wireless routers wouldn't. Yeah.
0: So you see, Nancy, we've given you a whole bunch of options there, and if you forget any of them, don't worry. They're in our show notes uh, for not only Nancy but anyone else with a similar issue. Visit us at intotomorrow.com. Look for the show for the weekend of November the 12th, 2021, and hour three. You'll hear Nancy's call and read all of our show notes. Let us know what works for you, because sometimes if you can do wireless and bury it nicely and make sure you remember where it's buried so you don't dig it up accidentally uh, or cut into it or something, that might be your best bet in the long run to get good quality signal. But all the other options should be tried as well because some of them are easier than others. Again, check it all out at intotomorrow.com. And Gigi in St. Simons Island, Georgia, listens on WBQO when you need to know. Oh, and she's calling using the Ask Dave button. Thank you for that, Gigi, at intotomorrow.com.
3: With the influx of hackers stealing and ransoming information, I was wondering, what is your opinion about having paper backups? And how many digital backups would you recommend? I appreciate your show. Love listening to it. Thanks a bunch.
0: Well, thank you for the kind words, Gigi. We love you listening and participating. Paper backups are common, believe it or not. They're they're even borderline required if you use multi-factor authentication. Now, multi-factor authentication uses your phone or another physical device to confirm your identity before you can log into a site or a program. If you happen to lose your device, you typically use a temporary code
2: from a paper backup to allow yourself to log in and address the situation. If your concern is storing passwords on your computer, you're better off using software like one or LastPass to encrypt your passwords in a way that a hacker could not decrypt. The reality is most people's passwords are not stolen from them. They're either given freely by the user when they're tricked by a phishing email, or they're stolen from the company they're logging into if they have terrible security practices and don't encrypt their authentication data correctly. You can be careful and avoid the first, but the second one is really out of your control. So your best bet is to use randomly generated passwords stored in an encrypted password manager so you don't end up reusing any passwords just because you need to type them in from memory. Yeah. And Gigi as for your question about how many digital backups would we recommend? All of them. (laughs)
0: Yeah, can't <laughs> I can't have too many. You really can't. I, I'm, I'm always recommending, for example, an off-site backup as well. If you've got important stuff, and we all do, no matter what it is, might be pictures of the grandkids or the kids or, or just your your trips and memories and whatnot, uh, or banking info, other important stuff, and God forbid something happens at your house, you want to know that at least your most current backup, and hopefully as often as you can, is somewhere else safe. At a relative's house or a friend's house or somewhere else.
2: Yeah, I've, I've always told people, you know, take your home computer back up and leave it at your office. Take your office computer back up and leave it at home. And then every once in a while, just bring it back so you can update your backup. There but, you go. It's important to do. Or if you just want to invest
0: in an external drive and make a note to occasionally put it off-premise, maybe at an office if you if you work at a, at a different location or something. Because it's just good to have. Throw in the drawer... And hopefully nobody gets it and does anything to it or damages it. And be careful transporting these things, too. You don't want to be dropping them either, because that can cause a problem.
2: Or look into one of these cloud backup services. I know you've been using Carbonite, I think, for years.
0: Yeah, true. And it's it's a good thing to use as well. Stay tuned and join us at intotomorrow.com.
3: my Computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with Geeks On Site.
1: Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having, we explain and teach you along the way. We'll help you instantly. Call 855
0: 399 9886. That's 855 399 9886. Into tomorrow, fun tech fact for you. Disney sold the streaming rights for the original Star Wars films in 2016 to Turner until 2024. Of course, Disney has since decided to start their own streaming service and has tried asking for the rights back. But Turner refused every time. Good good on them. Mm-hmm. I hope they're milking them for all it's worth yeah. <laughs> because the mouse has got a lot of money already. Yeah.
2: They don't need any more. I'm Dave Graveline. Welcome back into tomorrow. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you by Autonomous, ergonomic office furniture that helps you work from home productively. Check out Autonomous.ai. Lisa in Fort
0: Lauderdale, Florida, just up the road a piece here, listens to and subscribes and follows the Into Tomorrow podcast. We love that. Hey, Lisa.
3: We currently have an Xfinity set up here in our home, and we've been having some instability issues. Wonky connection issues during the day. Initially, I thought it was because we now have three adults working from our home. However, I was on a Zoom call with my family and I was the only one on it. And of course, the same thing happened again. We do have a booster, but just doesn't seem to be helping with these instability issues. On our phones and on our computer, it shows that we have a strong signal. But again, we're still experiencing either being kicked off some of these conference calling apps or being kicked out of our VPNs from the companies that we are working for. So any guidance, thoughts, Prayers you have for us would be really helpful. Thank
0: you, Dave. It's our pleasure. I like that where you ended with, and even prayers uh, that we might have for you. Uh, of course, you mentioned Xfinity and wonky service. Well, there you go, because Xfinity is owned by Comcast, so that answers that. But the fact that you get kicked out of both Zoom and your virtual private network, your VPN, is rather telling. Zoom requires very low bandwidth to be able to work. If you had as little as half a megabit per second you could probably still use it without many issues, at least for voice calls. Zoom also tries to adjust the bandwidth and give you warnings in case there's trouble. Now, the VPN is an even more extreme case. It shouldn't care about speed at all, as long as your connection is still active. Both of those, added to the fact that you see a good signal strength on all of your devices, points to something that the booster won't be able to fix. And that's a
2: problem between the modem and the outside world, Hello Xfinity. Zoom and your VPN would both disconnect if the link to the outside world dropped. But the Wi-Fi signal would stay the same because it's being generated from within your home and it's not affected by whether or not there's an active Internet connection. Unfortunately, that leaves you with two possible issues. Neither of which, unfortunately, is easy to fix. Uh, The problem may be with your home's wiring. For example, a bad connection somewhere between your modem and whatever Xfinity is using to reach the outside world. Or worse yet, outside the walls of your home and somewhere in the run between Xfinity's switch and your driveway. Either way, you're probably going to need to have a tech out to look at it to try to pinpoint where things are failing. And depending on how much work they want to put in, it may or may not be a simple thing to get fixed.
0: Now, before you try to talk them into believing there's an issue with the physical network, which I would certainly lean toward, you can try to get your modem replaced. It could just be failing, and it could be the source of the problems. Now, that would be easy enough as a fix. Unplug the old one, plug in a new one, but it
2: will only solve your issue, again, if the problem is with the modem yeah if your connection suddenly disappears and comes back on its own we're leaning towards cabling issues over the modem but the modem is the simplest fix so it may still be worth trying to have it replaced in case you get lucky and don't have to deal with a bigger problem yeah i hope not lisa we send our prayers as well
0: and just know that all of those suggestions are in our show notes for this broadcast of november the 12th 2021 hour three Um, Something else
2: to add? Now, if there is a silver lining, it's that if the problem is on the outside of your home, generally these utility companies like Comcast won't charge you for that repair. Yeah. If the problem is inside your home, unfortunately, you know, inside wiring, they're going to probably say, you know, we can fix it, but it's going to be this much because you're going to have to pay for that. Yeah. And they're likely to say that anyway, because they're all trained to point to you
0: as the problem and not them. I mean, that's automatic. Uh, But just be prepared for that, and let's see what happens. And again, if it's their modem, swap it out. Say you called tech support, they said it's a modem problem, you got to swap it. They don't even question you. Bring it to a nearby place and swap it out. Let us know what works out for you, because we are praying for you as well. Intotomorrow.com, we'll meet there.
1: Bringing you the latest in consumer electronics and technology, this has been Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline.